May the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Saviour and the strength on our journey. Please be seated. There was once a Scotsman who rowed people across a river. On one oar he had carved the word faith, and on the other oar he had carved the word works. One day he was rowing, and one of his passengers noticed the carvings and asked about them. The Scotsman did not reply, but he pulled from the water the oar marked works and started to row with the oar marked faith, and the boat went round in circles. He then pulled in the oar marked faith and started to row only with the works oar. And the boat again went round in circles, but this time in the opposite direction. With both oars back in the water, he rowed to reach the other side safely. Before his passenger got off the boat, the Scotsman said to the man who'd asked about the oars, A Christian must row his life using both oars, faith and works. Only then will he reach the shore. Today's gospel story from John 2 illustrates the dual importance of faith and alongside faith works. We as listeners 2,000 years after Jesus completed the work of turning water into wine are asked to believe by faith that a miracle took place. Jesus performed more than 40 miracles which we can read about in the Bible. A miracle is considered an event that occurs outside the bounds of natural law, and understanding the miracles of Jesus begins with believing, through faith, the works Jesus undertook. Before Jesus' public ministry even formally began, when he was a young lad and up till about 30, he was invited to a wedding in the little village of Cana near Galilee. And his mother Mary accompanied him, and several of his disciples attended the wedding too. In those days, the bride and groom celebrated their marriage not with a honeymoon, but with a seven-day wedding feast at the groom's house. This would have seemed by today's standards a fairly onerous event and quite expensive to fund. Now, Cana is in the north of Israel, near the Sea of Galilee, when I visited this village a few years ago, I found the place where the wedding celebration is reported by tradition to have taken place. A church is built over this site. Indeed, most religious sites of importance in Israel have a church built over them. So hopefully I can show you here the picture of the little church the outside of this beautiful little Catholic church that stands in Cana today over the site of where the water was turned into wine. Many people celebrate weddings or reaffirm their vows inside the church, and this is inside the church, which is small and beautiful. Um, when, I was, when I was there, it was with uh, Reverend Mike Hawke, and three or four couples actually reaffirmed their vows, their wedding vows, inside this church. And beside this church is the little Greek Orthodox Church of St. George, which houses two stone jars that Greek Orthodox followers 
and others believe are the jars in which Jesus performed the miracle of the wine. If they were not the actual jars of wine, we know from archaeological evidence that the jars would have been just like these ones. I'm not sure how you imagine the jars were in, in this story, but like, these ones are very big. What Jesus did through the miracle of changing water to wine in jars at the wedding in Cana was to reveal his supernatural abilities in public for the very first time. Up until that time, he was seen to be a very ordinary person. This is the first of his miracles. And the purpose of Jesus' miracle of turning the water into wine is explained further in John 2, verse 11. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. They had faith when they saw his works. So what actually happened at the wedding dinner? As the dinner progressed, Mary, as a mother would, noticed that the wine was running out. She told Jesus that the guests had consumed all the wine. One can only imagine how challenging this would be for the hosts, who would have likely been a poorer rural family wanting to provide hospitality for seven days to friends and extended family. Jesus spotted six large stone water jugs or jars, the kind used during ceremonial washing, each holding about 130 litres. This would make them very heavy when they were filled with water at around 130 kilos each. So Jesus called the servants at the wedding and gave two brief commands. He told the servants, fill the pots or jars with water. The servants would have had to be extremely strong to even carry the pot jars, however they carried them, maybe with poles, whatever the way they carried them, several people together, to get them to the well um, so that they could put the buckets down the well to fill these jars with water. And the jars were filled, we are told in the reading today, to the brim, at the, um, which was quite an important fact as well. Jesus also asked the servants to take the filled jugs to the host. The host took a sip from the jug and realised that the water had been turned into wine. The host didn't immediately recognise that a miracle had just taken place. The servants who had drawn the water, however, knew that water had originally been placed in the jugs by themselves and that wine from the jugs was before their eyes. And we are told they had faith when they saw what Jesus had done. As for the bridegroom, he was the recipient of comments from the host and compliments at the wedding event. The host took the bridegroom aside and said to him, Everybody gives the good stuff first and then gets rid of the not-so-good stuff as the feast goes on. You save the best for the last. I imagine the bridegroom may have been very surprised at how this happy event was turning out. And the wedding guests in the Bible story never really got to know the winemaker because they were, as one might expect, very focused on the wine. Interestingly, the miracle Jesus performs in today's gospel is performed at his mother's request. And to me, the request rings very true. 
How often as a mother or father or aunt or teacher have you asked a young person younger than yourself to do something in particular? Maybe sometime that young person has said something along the lines of, don't tell me what to do. However, in this instance, Jesus added to his mother, mother, my time has not yet come, referencing his coming death. And Jesus' response is indeed a signal or a sign of something to come. And in our gospel reading today, Mary says to the servants in the story, do whatever Jesus tells you. That is what faith is all about, trusting that the works of Jesus will lead to the kingdom of God, where the best is not just saved for last, but where the best lasts. This first miracle of Jesus takes place at a time of joy and love and hope and plenty, a wedding. The fact that this first sign was at a wedding would not have been lost on the guests. It was their belief that when they were saved by a Messiah who came to save them from their oppressors, that God would provide a table for feasting where there would be plenty for everyone and no one would go without. We also see this idea in the 23rd Psalm, whose final verses say, You treat me to a feast while my enemies watch. You honour me as your guest, and you fill my cup until it overflows. Your kindness and love will always be with me each day of my life, and I will live forever in your house, Lord. There are many people today who insist that they do not believe in any one person or religion. They insist that they think for themselves and believe in only what they can see. They certainly have no interest in considering something that has happened as a miracle. And that is one perspective. The problem is they got that perspective from someone. They're following somebody even if they insist it is themselves they are following. Everybody is following somebody. Everybody has faith in something or somebody. We are all believers in something. The miracles of Jesus may well be challenging for many to believe. From my work in psychology, I understand the intricacies of belief, generated in a very complex organ, the human brain. Our brains, however, have limits when it comes to beliefs. Turning water into wine takes belief one step further. Some things remain a mystery, greater than our imagination, which is limited by our experience and our environment. For Christians, the task before us is to live life following the example of Jesus. Through faith and works, we choose a way of life that demonstrates belief in, what, belief in what Jesus did on earth and the works that demonstrate we understand what we are called to do. Rod Bell, in his excellent book entitled Velvet Elvis, put it this way. I'm convinced that being generous is a better way to live. I'm convinced forgiving people and not carrying bitterness around with me is a better way to live. 
I'm convinced having compassion is a better way to live. I'm convinced that pursuing peace is a better way to live. I'm convinced that listening to the wisdom of others is a better way to live. And I'm convinced being honest with people is a better way to live. The type of life that Jesus lived and the miracles he did show us that Jesus lived completely and perfectly in connection and cooperation with God. We are called to try and do the same. Jesus took the ordinary and did some pretty special things. And God as Father continues his work in us, even when we can only muster the tiniest amount of faith at times. May we open our lives anew to God's gifts of grace and love through both our beliefs as a Christian and our works as we follow the example of Jesus. And to God be the glory. Amen.